Hello and welcome to our podcast. We're calling it The Hunch because we believe you get the best ideas from people when they're relaxed, when they're with friends. And rather than giving you the corporate line, they give you their best guess, their gut feeling, their hunch. I'm Mark Schmid, and in each episode, I'll be talking to someone who can give us the lowdown on something that will transform their sector, our society, or even our everyday lives. Today, I'm with sports marketing expert Nicola McKelvey, who's passionate about women's sport and its potential for broadcasters, sponsors, participants, and for future generations. So Nicola, thank you so much for being our guest on The Hunch today. No, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Nice to see you. Yeah. I was really keen to get you on because I know that not only are you involved in the world of sports marketing, you're from a family that mad keen on sport. And you've also many times mentioned to me about the tremendous growth opportunities that there are for women's sport in particular. And that's something that is kind of obvious now. You've been you've been banging that drum for a couple of years, but now we're finally seeing that that brands are investing in, in women's sport and that broadcasters are beginning to give much more house room to women's sport. So it'd be really wonderful just to get your perspective on where you think we are today and what the opportunity is. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, yeah, so I probably have been banging on about it, much to anyone around me, sort of general annoyance. But yeah, I think, look, I think you're right. I think probably over the last two to four years, we've seen a bit of a shift just in women's sports, both in terms of broadcasters, so sort of TV and you know print media getting behind it and covering it and reporting it. And also in terms of, I guess, more sort of brands getting involved in it and and, and actually investing in it. So seeing it more as a commercial opportunity as opposed to any sort of CSR reason behind it, which is, you know, for anyone in women's sports is exactly why you want to see it. You don't want to be a, a an initiative at the end of a budget. You want to be a sort of a bigger part of your sort of bigger commercial plan. So I think, you know, where we're at now, we've definitely reached an area where it's on TV more, we're covering it more, more people are going to it. But I still think, there's quite a long way to go in terms of just the growth of it sort of for the next few years. And what do you think is going to drive that growth? So, so I had this conversation internally quite a lot and it's, it's probably a a bit of a chicken and egg, isn't it? So what, what comes first? Will it be the coverage on the TV and it being written about in the media that will then drive the investment in it and will drive more people going to it? Or will it be, people like me and you going to attend different events or watch it more that will then drive the investment and I actually think from I think I'm sort of a bit clearer now looking at what's happened with the Women's Super League and the growth in terms of so I think we're going to expect uh, there was some research that said in 2021 we'll have reached more than 50 million people will have watched some form of women's sports and the 100 is obviously a major growth in that. But I think the fact that the Women's Super League is on TV and on free-to-air TV really does. So the more it's on TV, the more you and I can watch it, we can have it on. And, and I think that that sort of visibility is really going to help it sort of take it to the next stage. Yeah. What I would like to see is that it's not just football, so that there's a more varied 
amount of sport that will be um, available to, to view for free. And whether it's on YouTube or BBC or another channel, Amazon, you know, any of those, I think I think that's sort of where the future will be and that will help really drive that growth. Mm. I think that's such an important point because the terrestrial TV support is you know, fundamental and you see that the sort of top-level Premier League men's football is is on Sky and BT and Amazon now. And of course, that that still has huge interest. But the idea that you can watch top level women's Super League football for free on the BBC on a weekend lunchtime, you know, that's, that's a really, really powerful and obviously a hundred as well. Yeah. As, as you mentioned in, in, in cricket, that new competition which had the, the men and, and women's matches on, on the same day and got incredible coverage. There may well be a time, we might be talking again in, in a few years' time, when the WSL is is such a prime property that it does go behind paywalls. And yeah. it, I guess in some ways that would be a measure of, of success. But in the, in the meantime, that free-to-air coverage is, I was going to say, priceless. <laughs> if only, I'm sure the BBC would love it to be priceless. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know you talk about the crown jewels, don't you? So the sort of key events that um, that should be protected and should be available for all to view. And and yes, you're right. You would want to see you know the women's sports tournaments being part of that offering, so that it is they are protected and they are. So you recognise the value of that to to the British public. Absolutely. And interesting you called out football there, because that did occur to me slightly. And is this something we should be mindful of? Is that football seems to get the most airtime of any, well, of any sport. Yeah. And then when you when you when you define that further, clearly it is the dominant men's sport on television, in the media, on the radio. And it looks like it's becoming the dominant women's sport on all of those channels. And of course, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'm a big football fan. It, it, it's a great sport. Is there a danger, or probably danger is, is rather a pejorative term, but is it possible that in years to come, two major sports in this country are men's football and women's football, and everything else has kind of fallen into the background? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is it a bad thing if it is that? It's still, there's still an audience for, <laughs> I think, for all sports, and to have you know, if women's sport got to that same level, you know, sorry, as women's football got to the same level as men's football, then brilliant. You know, there's still enough people and enough support to go around every sport. So what you would just want to see, I think, is that the other sports are coming through to a similar level so that they, you know, rugby, cricket, tennis is sort of slightly different, I guess. But those other sports are still getting that same support that's on a parity and those athletes are being supported in the same way so look I think we can get head up on oh women's football is getting all the coverage when it actually it should be a bigger benefit to women's sport in general and it shouldn't be seen as a negative thing good good I think that makes perfect sense and in terms of I mean some of the sports you, you've just kind of mentioned there they're, they're very different approaches to how men's and women's sport is treated you mentioned tennis of course yeah which in some ways is is a wonderful example when we're watching a, a tennis major there's no real distinction it's just it's just a tennis major it's quite obviously clearly separate draws but it's one tournament and I know this year the the Rugby League World Cup has the men's, the women's, the, the wheelchair, uh, all, all within one one tournament happening simultaneously. Do you think that is 
the way forward for all sports or just does it just naturally work in some cases rather than others? I don't know. I think there's probably room for both. So, yeah, I think, you know, we have shown with the, the 100 and cricket that that works really well. I'll be interested to see what happens with the Rugby League World Cup, whether there's sort of a cum- cumulative effect where there's, sort of, there's bigger audience than they've ever seen before. I think what will be interesting is the, I guess, the, the being able to create new women's tournaments. So, so there's a study they're looking at to see whether there should be a British and Irish Lions female rugby tournament. And just because there's a man's one, it doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do a woman's one. So I, th- I think where I think they, there's probably a place for both, but I don't think you should just automatically think, oh, because there's a men's one, we should definitely do a woman's one. There has to be a sort of, I guess, a business plan behind the rationale and a proper proper research done to see whether it is a viable sort of commercial option to, to do them. So uh, yeah, I think like they've obviously worked. They obviously are successful, but let's sort of see what happens with other sports. That's a really good thought. And I, it hadn't occurred to me because the the natural way is just to replicate, yeah. isn't it? As you, as, as you said, and in, in many cases, that might be the right answer. But it struck me when you said that, that a position of strength here is starting with that blank sheet of paper and not thinking because 100 or 200 years ago, it was felt that these nations should play those nations in this time period, in this format. Actually saying, hey, knowing what we know now, yeah. understanding the digital environment, the gaming environment, the global situation, wouldn't it be great if we could create a tournament that had these athletes, these countries, these sports kind of pitted together? And you could almost end up with a place where the uh, women's sport has created something that actually could be mimicked by men's sport down the line it doesn't always have to be a follow does it yeah 100% I think I think that the thing with women's sport the opportunity is to be as innovative as you can be you know you can you can lay your path you can set your stall out you can you can come as you say create something completely new that doesn't follow a well-trodden path Mm -hmm. and and that goes for you know, rights holders, but the commercial sponsors as well, you know, as a brand, you know, we always say there's no such thing as a new idea in PR. Well, oh my God, if this is the chance to actually do that, mm. then because you are the, you are the innovative, you are that trailblazer. So get out there and, and create something new, you know? So I think, I think that will be really exciting to see what comes out. And there are, there are new sponsors coming in. So like Pepsi have sponsored the UEFA. And I think I'm really interested to see what they bring as a brand because they're renowned for sort of their, you know, exciting brand campaigns. So let's see how they activate women's football. There's a new football tournament, again, back to football, that Arnold Clark, you know, the car dealer, oh, yes. sponsored. So, and it's, it's the UK, Spain, Germany and Canada. And that launches in February, brand new that's not a thing if it works brilliant and if it doesn't work well then you know we've trialed it let's move on and see what else works so I don't think we should get too head up on having a clear this is this and we're going to do a British and Irish women's Mm. tour because that's what we do and okay if it doesn't work it doesn't work let's try something new yeah yeah and it seems to me that the the key to all of this is the the quality of the sport on offer, be it men competing, women competing, it is the quality of the sport. And then then you get to a point where it doesn't feel at all like it's being done because it's the right thing to do or to CSR, as you mentioned earlier. The best example 
I've come across is in boxing, which you know I'm you know very interested yep. in. And now the way that uh, you will be watching uh, a fight card, you know, a 10 or 12 fight card, and you'll have two or three of the fights featuring women, they'll be completely scattered throughout the card. You know, there's no delineation. Mm. You don't say, now we've finished the men's boxing, here comes the women's boxing. You'll be watching um, you know, Joe Joyce, Daniel Dubois, someone like that. And then on, on will come Katie Taylor or Chantel Cameron or Natasha Jones, someone like that. And people don't get up and leave, partly because that might well be the best fight of the night. Yeah. The boxing fans aren't staying in their seats because they think it is the right thing to do. They're doing it because it might well be, and quite often is, the fight of the night. And so once you get to that level of quality in any sport, then you're no longer having to push. You know, you, you, you're now, you now have that, that pull. Yeah, and I think women's sport has moved on a lot. So... One of the reasons I probably banged this drum for so long was that, you know, I working in sports years, a, a long time ago, it was a very male dominated environment. So there were there was a lot of banter around sort of, I don't know, the women's goal being too big or things like that. And, and at that time, do you know, women's football probably wasn't at a at an amazing professional stage, but do you have to think about the journey that women's sport has been on? You know, I was just reading there in um, in Northern Ireland, the captain of a local women's football team has just yesterday become the first professionally, basically the first paired player in Northern Ireland. Now, Northern Ireland have beaten teams like, okay, North Macedonia, but 11-0, and they've just literally started paying their players. So you cannot suddenly expect it to go from to be at the same level as men's sports and some sports are at that level and you say boxing you know some of the people that you see in the women's um super league are phenomenal players so yes there is a journey i think for some other sports to reach that level where you you know it is seen on a par with that in terms of professional but there has to be a little bit of leeway in terms of the journey that they have to make and that progress and that time that they've had. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a little bit earlier about the huge growth in in TV audiences for the the WSL. How important is it that the in-person, the attendances at the grounds increases at the same level? Because on one hand, you can say, well, if you're reaching, I think you said 50 million people, yeah. does it really matter if you've got a couple of hundred people in the in the ground or 40, 50,000? And certainly there is a culture around going to men's football of generations. And, you know, a lot of families have been going for generations. They might not even particularly enjoy, enjoy the match so much. It's just part of what they do on, on a Saturday. And from what I've seen, there isn't the same growth or, or the growth in attendances of the WSL isn't matched by the growth in overall viewership. Is that an issue or not? It's true. So so interesting, there was again, there was some research that talked about how female sports fans or women who like watching sports, how they consume sport and how they do it very differently to men. So women in general are less likely to either sort of actively participate. So they, it might be on the TV, but it might be in the background. They are less likely to go in attendance to sporting events. And that, as you say, it's a historical thing. It's a cultural thing. You know, if you didn't grow up with your, 
you know, my dad didn't take, I went to rugby games with my dad. Uh, so hence, I probably take my kids to rugby games now. But if you're not in that sort of sporting environment as a family, you will be interested in it. I want to read about it, but you might not actually attend because it's just not part of your your routine really anymore. I think that has to, again, that's a cultural, a generational thing. I think that will change as it's on TV more, as you get more interested to go. You know, I've got tickets for the UEFA's the women's Euro final. I would reckon this will probably be the last year I'll be able to afford those tickets because I would hope in four years or three years time that actually it'll be priced out. It'll be the demand will far outweigh any supply. So it used to be based around the big events. So the World Cups, the Euros, the Olympics, those sort of big events. I think that will change. But it's, there has to be a different way, I think, to get those people and get those bums on seats because it's you're not going to target me necessarily. It will have to be, I think, a generic sports fan in general. And that will depend on the performance, on the spectacle, on everything else that you put around it, I would say. Yeah. And, you know, let's not forget that there are millions and millions of Manchester United fans, Liverpool fans, all clubs that, that never set foot in their ground. It doesn't mean that they're any less engaged and they follow it closely and they probably buy kits and buy TV subscriptions, but they're just not actual match goers for all of the reasons you know you yeah. mentioned. It's just not part of their routine. They don't give up so much time. They might not geographically be close or it might be financial reasons. Or they've just got better things to do. Yeah. And I mean, I remember hearing someone speak and he sort of said, it was the CEO of a local rugby club. And he said, our competition isn't other rugby games or rugby clubs. Our competition is a restaurant on a Saturday afternoon, you know, because that's sort of what you're fighting for in terms of that. And, and, I, and I think if you take it for women's sport, which is still quite new, then your fight for those bums on seats is it's tenfold than what it would be sort of people who are used to going to football games or rugby games every weekend. Mm-hmm. And is there a correlation between the booming success of WSL, for example, and, and other women's sports on, on broadcast platforms and participation levels of women and girls? So, yeah, I think it does drive participation. You know, if you look at uh, even campaigns like the Sport England, This Girl Can, you know, that sort of was all about inspiring people, showing it's not just about getting out for exercise it's sort of the I think the value that sport in general can bring being part of a team some of the mental health benefits we have seen obviously I think over the last two years have the need for sort of sports and getting out there and fresh air um, is huge and, and will continue to grow so yeah I wouldn't underestimate the benefit of seeing something like football rugby Emma Raducanu Rachel Black more people like that on tv will have on grassroots participation mm. I mean, there have been, you mentioned a couple there, there have been some tremendous role models in yeah. recent times. Yeah. And I think, you know, there are, the, I think, the people who, so if you look at, I guess, Rachel Blackmore taking on, you know, sort of side by side, competing with men, she's sort of a standout female in her, not, she's just a standout jockey. I think that's, that's the point, isn't it? Mm. And then you look at others that, um, you know, Sam Kerr, who has come over and her performance is phenomenal and will bring more people to watching sports. And I think, I think the, again, the importance of those people shouldn't be underestimated in inspiring the sort of next generation of, of, of sports fans and professional players. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's Fallon Sharrock, isn't it? Is that right? Yeah. Am I saying it right? The darts player. I mean, again, that just shows that you get such interest and a groundswell of, of support if you do step into uh, Rachel Blackmore, of course, a great example too, into a sporting environment where you can compete and beat the men. You know, there's huge appetite for that. Yeah. And obviously there are certain sports where, or um, quite rightly, we mentioned boxing earlier, uh, you, you would need to ensure you know, separate competitions, but certainly in things like darts and horse racing, Formula One, you know, I'm sure one day we will see female Formula One uh, winner. Wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, I, I guess one thing I, I, I do notice, uh, and you'll, you'll relate to this as well, being a, a parent of, uh, of boys, mm. is that I spend an awful lot of time, and I love it, at weekends standing on the edge of pitches and parks and and uh, outdoors um getting wet and muddy and i would say more than half of the people i see exercising are women running around the park uh keeping fit doing exercise doing a lot of boxing training as well yeah um, or, or you know cardio stuff but when it comes to actually when i look around all of the different pitches and it's not quite like hackney marshes with hundreds of pitches but there are a lot of pitches around i'm struggling to remember seeing a a women's or girls match why is that i know so i i so when when we talk about it's sort of i guess those sort of inspirational trailblazers i mean there's one girl in my in my younger son's um, sort of under eights football team. And she plays with the boys team and she is amazing, but she's one girl. Mm. And at the start, you know, when they when they all started it, there were maybe a dozen girls and that has just whittled down and whittled down. And I, it's hard, I don't know, it could be, I've tried to think about this and I've talked to parents of boys and girls and I think as a mum of two boys, I'm really aware of it because I don't want the boys to think, well, this is a boy's sport and that's a girl's sport. Yeah. And to think there's any, you know, differentiation between the two. It could be because of the parents, because they just don't see that in that way. So the girl who plays sport has a big brother. He also plays football. So it's almost like a natural thing. She's been playing football with him. We have started, the mums have started a, a women's football team. And part of that is, you know, to sort of, I think because we all stood on the sidelines and went, well, well we can do this. Why, why are we just watching it? So it was to show that we could do it as well. It was to keep fit. It was to get out of the house. And, and the fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. And sort of have the sort of team camaraderie that our kids have that we... Mm hadn't had and I think part of it as well is sort of showing other girls that like we can all play football as well mm, perfect that's a brilliant idea and you, you mentioned the 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 the, the ages of, of, of the children and and participation certainly I remember also when my eldest was eight or nine I asked him to who who he enjoyed playing with most who were the best and he said all oh, the best players in my team I remember he said Jacob, Naomi, Logan, and he went through a list of names and there were, there were boys and girls in there. And I was the one thinking in my mind, all oh, their girls. He didn't differentiate between them. He just reeled off the names. Yeah. Um, and that, that was probably, yeah, eight, eight or nine. And so there is, a, there is a, a time when boys and girls play together equally and the girls will often be better than the boys, even, you know, traditionally male, male sports. But yes, I don't know the answer 
why they tend to drop out. But what I do know from experience is that even with my boys, they've found that when they get a little bit older, the atmosphere changes a little bit and people get very critical and people start, and my boys don't like it so much because, you know, people will start shouting and swearing and criticizing them and and and, and they kind of beginning to take a bit of a step back because of it. And it might be, you know, that might be part of it as well. Well, that's it. I mean, I remember hearing the FA speak about sort of girls and sport and they sort of say their research has found that come sort of 10, 11, the girls, it's probably part of that when it becomes a little bit more, not macho, but a little bit tougher that they step away, which is why I think they recommend sort of the setting up of separate girls football clubs and teams within schools to stop that happening because what you don't want to do is just knock their confidence and completely, you know, for them to say, right, sport is sport, football, that's not for me. So you have to sort of create these new environments where those group of girls can come together and really build up that confidence as a team. Mm -hmm. So you advise brands. What, What are you saying now to brands that either are considering for the first time investing and backing women's sport or aren't looking at it at all? I mean, get involved. <laughs> you just have to, do you know what, even if you're not involved in sports and haven't done it before, it's the perfect opportunity, I think, to get behind it. What I would like to see is, I guess, sort of new brands coming in and supporting women's sports in some way, shape or form. And I guess also what you would call the more traditional brands that are involved in sports sponsorship as a whole. So the car manufacturers, the you know, financial services companies, and I know Visa already are involved, but those sort of big global brands to really get behind it and and invest in it. So not just sponsor it, but actually invest in the activation of it because they're involved at this part of the journey. You look what Vitality has done with netball, hockey, and the I think the affiliation those players, those supporters have with that brand it's just a huge opportunity for anyone out there. So, I mean, just look, get involved in some way. There are so many opportunities. There are so many sports. There are, there's so much that you can do mm. that just just do it, yeah. in the words of the famous sports apparel. That's, that's the point, isn't it? It's seize the opportunity now while the cost of entry is still relatively small. Yeah. You, know, you might look back in a few years and say, wow, we could have been at the beginning of something on the BBC for an absolute fraction of what you'd probably have to spend to sponsor a championship or League One men's football team. Yeah. You could have been in the WSL on primetime television. So just look at it from a very clear eyed, almost media by perspective, and it's going to cost in for you. Yeah, and I think if you look at the players and the female athletes that, so I've been working with the Women's Sports Trust on its um, Unlocked campaign for the past two years, and that sort of helps, it brings together groups of elite sort of professional sportswomen and sort of helps them really, I guess, unlock their own potential and the potential of women's sports. Every single one of those girls that we have worked with they are articulate, they are passionate, they are smart. They all have amazing stories to tell. And it's just, it just feels like there's just so much untapped potential that somebody, 
you know, we can all do as much as we can, but there needs to be the sort of groundswell supports where you're getting those stories out there, where you're hearing about what so-and-so is doing or what this team is doing over here. You know, it, it can't just be limited, I think, to football or to a couple of uh, sponsors or a couple of sports teams. There has to be sort of a bigger, bigger groundswell around it. Mm-hmm. And finally, we always ask our, our guest to give us their hunch. Okay, so my hunch is that the women's Euros this summer will break all records. I think it will be the most successful women's sporting tournament yet. It will, in terms of viewership, uh, in terms of attendance, engagement, social traction, I think it's just going to be sort of the pinnacle. And, and from then onwards, it should help grow, hopefully, everything across the board. Can I have another hunch? Go for it. <laughs> Uh, I think my other hunch is that within five to 10 years, we will see parity in terms of prize money. So there'll be equal prize money for both men and women. I don't understand how the industry has got away for so long with paying women less, not just in salaries, but in terms of for competing at the similar tournament, showing the same sporting excellence. Yet, you know, they're paid less than half in a lot of occasions of what the men are paid. So I just, I think that will have to disappear. And I think we will get equal, equal prize money in the next five to 10 years. Nicola, that was a lot of fun and very uh, instructive and informative too. Thanks so much for your time today. Oh, no worries. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. And I hope I wasn't too militant in my uh, (laughs) view. (laughs) You've got a point of view. That's what we love here on The Hunch. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening. Follow me, Mark Schmid, or our company, Simmons & Schmid, on LinkedIn or Twitter for news of our next episode.